Well, good morning, Coastal. How are you guys doing this morning? Fantastic. Hey, my name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad that you're with us here in Pompano Beach this morning as uh, we're worshiping God and just kind of finishing up this series called Draw a Circle, talking all about the power of prayer and how connecting with God isn't some spooky, weird, odd thing, but it's something that every single one of us can do in our own lives. And before we kind of dive into that today, I just, I just want to talk about the series that's starting next week called Hashtag The Struggle Is Real. And, and this, this series is, is appropriate because I think for a lot of us, the struggle is real. The struggle is real in some different areas of our lives, whether that's finances, whether that's our time management, whether that's, that's our relationships, whether that is in some areas of forgiveness. And, and for some of us, the struggle is real in some areas that we don't even know that we're struggling in, that that's really the problem that we have. And I believe that over the next couple of weeks, you're going to really start to see some truth of what God has to say about some areas that you're struggling with. So you don't have to continue to struggle in those things. And I believe that we're going to find some solutions. We're going to give some remedies based on what God says to help you break out of the areas that we all struggle with in life. And so I want to encourage you, invite your friends, invite your co-workers, invite the person you don't like because the struggle is probably really real with them. And maybe we can help you end that. And so there's some invite cards in your worship guide. Take advantage of those. Um, also, over the last couple of weeks, man, we've, we've had some different people speaking. And can we just give it up for, for Terry and Shayla over the last couple of weeks? Didn't they do a great job? In fact, I got some emails uh, and, and some text messages from people, specifically when it came to Shayla. They just told me that I could retire uh, because Shayla killed it last week. And so uh, let me just tell you something. I have feelings, okay? Um, like, you don't have to bash me like that. That's, that's not cool. I mean, I was taking a, a little bit of a break. The struggle really is real with that. I'm in counseling. And so please help a brother out. Uh, if she's awesome, tell her she's awesome. Don't tell me. I just, I just get jealous then, okay? I'm, I'm very insecure, and I need your love and affection, okay? Uh, <laughs> like a puppy. Anyways, uh, <laughs> anyways, we've been in this series called Draw a Circle. We've been focusing on this scripture out of Philippians chapter 4. Uh, verse 6, and it says this. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Now, this is kind of ironic that this has been the scripture that we've been focusing on in this series because this morning in Coconut Creek um, ha has been the worst morning of all time in Coconut Creek. Um, anybody ever had like one of a, a bad morning, bad hair day, ladies, anybody like where everything you did, nothing worked. You're like, it just won't do what it's supposed to do. Like we had that when it came to our sound system this morning, like we were trying to figure everything out. And, and let me just tell you something. I know that this has been the focus, like pray first, pray first, like not as a last resort, but as your first response. Let me just tell you something. This morning, we were freaking out. We were, we were yelling at each other. We were just going crazy. Like prayer was nowhere near our first response. I know it's really sad. Like we tell you to do all this stuff. We don't even do it ourselves. It's really bad. It's really bad. It's horrible. And so we're freaking out. Like we have no, like our speakers did not work this morning. All they sounded like was, that's what they sounded like. And, and we have this really, really nice system, and we're freaking out. We actually stole your sound guy this morning and brought him over to our campus. He's like, I don't know what's going on either. He, like, did everything he knew. And we're freaking out. And finally, I'm standing in the back of our auditorium over there, and, and, and I'm, I'm so frustrated with everybody. I'm like, it's everybody else's fault. And uh, isn't that our normal, like, it's your fault. It's your fault. 
Craig, it's your fault, and you weren't even there. Like, it's Shayla, it's your fault. God that has the great haircut over here with the shaved head is your fault, you know. Uh, and I'm standing back there, and God's like, have you ever thought about just praying? No. Who would do that? Have you listened to your series at all? No. <laughs> and so I go, okay, God, man, what's, like, I need you to do the miraculous. So I walk over to our speakers, and I lay hands on them, and I'm like, in Jesus' name, work. It doesn't work. Um, but what God did is he gave me another idea, and we went and pulled that off, and, and we changed everything, and, and God works his way out. But so many times we get focused on the problem, we get focused on the circumstances that we miss out on speaking to the solution. And then see, the solution to everything is always Jesus. Jesus has the answer for everything that we need here today. And so instead of worrying and freaking about the circumstances that you're facing, because I know there's people that walked in here today with some heavy, heavy, heavy stuff. Man, you're going through just heartache and pain in your relationship right now and you're like man i don't know what to do i'm i'm kind of freaking out some of you guys the month just started but you already feel like man there 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 is way more month than there's any money at this point some of you guys are going through some transition in your job and you're freaking out right now and god's saying like listen if you'll just take your eyes off the problem for a moment and focus on me man i'll do something absolutely unbelievable i want to help you become the person that I've called you to be. And so today, if you're taking notes with us, and I encourage you to do that inside your worship guide, there's some notes. Kind of the key thought for today is this. It says, we have unlimited access to unimaginable authority to achieve unbelievable things for the glory of God. It says, we have unlimited access to unimaginable authority to achieve unbelievable things for the glory of God. I, I love that, that little statement right there because I believe that we can truly become circle makers. We can draw a circle around things because God has given us unlimited access to unimaginable authority. See, because Jesus said when he was leaving, all authority has been given unto you. Like you have access to your heavenly father because of the price that I paid on the cross. Now you can go directly to him. You don't have to go through anybody else. You don't have to have a mediator. You don't have to have a priest. You don't have to have a pastor. You can go directly to God and you have all this authority. In fact, Jesus said we would do greater things than what he did. And Jesus did some pretty incredible things. I mean, he wrote from the dead and defeated the grave. He defeated sin. He defeated death. If Jesus did that and said we could do more, that's pretty awesome. And we're not just going to do those things so that we can be glorified, but so that God can be glorified through our circumstances. And so what I want to focus on today is, is the, uh, this idea that we have unlimited access to God. And a lot of us haven't realized that we have this unlimited access to God because we've never walked through the process of getting to God. Like we, we've put up all these barriers, we've put up all these walls, and so there is an unlimited access to God because of things that we're doing. And I've, been, I've experienced some places that have a very, very limited access. Like you don't have unlimited access at the airport. Anybody ever been to the airport? A lot of barriers in the airport, isn't there? Like I hate the airport. In fact, I, I think the airport is the devil's version of hell on earth. Okay, I, I mean... 
Yeah, there's, there's some people, like I'm speaking their love language right now because they've been to the airport lately and that place is crazy. And the reason I'm so adamant about airports right now is because Shayla is getting ready tomorrow to fly to Africa, to go to our coastal Africa campus and hang out there and do a women's conference and speak to some pastors and, and do some different things. And so we've been preparing for her to leave. She's never flown overseas before uh, across uh, the Atlantic to Africa. And so she's a little freaked out right now. And so we've been prepping. We've been getting the right neck pillows. I've been, I've been telling her the secret to flying anywhere is drugs. <laughs> just take lots of drugs. And she's like, I don't take drugs. I'm like, just tell, I promise you, if you sleep the entire time, the flight is amazing. <laughs> just sleep the And she's like, no, I don't do that. And, and so we're trying to get prepped for that. that but, but I realized, like, when you go to the airport, it's hard. There's not very much easy access at the airport, is there? Just try checking a bag. Like, no, that's not the right weight. It's not the right dimensions. Like, and then like, you have to go through 75 lines to get it on a conveyor belt that it goes to nowhere, and you don't ever even know if it's going to show up in the right place. And then you got to go through all, all the metal detectors, and like, now they have all these things that reveal way too much. Like, they want you to stand like this, but I want to stand like this. You know, it's just like... The worst thing about it is they've got a monopoly. Like, you can take nothing into the terminal. Try taking a bottle of water into the terminal and see what happens to you. You will be arrested by TSA. Like they, and then when you get inside there, they charge you like $700 for that bottle of water. And then when you get into, have you sat inside a, of an airplane seat lately? Like there is no room. And this is what I know. If you don't fly very much, like they're trying to discourage you from ever flying again. Because flying is only for people that fly a lot. Because people that don't fly a lot don't know all the rules and all the backside. Like, and so if you don't fly very much, you know what kind of seat you get every single time? You get a center seat. And you're always the last person to get on the plane. You're in like section Z to board. You know, and, and you're like walking on, you're just like looking for a seat, like somebody please let me sit by you. And, and everybody knows that you're a first time flyer because you're kind of like, you don't know what to do. Like you're hitting people with your bags, like we hate you, okay? Uh, like you're not paying attention, slapping people upside the head. And here's the problem with the center seat person is, is like there's no distinguished rules as to who gets armrests when you're in the center seat, right? And so what do you end up with? You end up with like T-Rex arms. You're like, give me some peanuts, you know, and... Like, you got to fly the entire time like this. <laughs> and so the last time I was, I was flying back from, from Africa last year, and, and I was coming back through Atlanta, and you have to go through customs when you fly back into the U.S. And, and I, was, I was walking off, and there were some, some people from Africa that I, I know they were from Africa because they, they were speaking some sort of uh, dialect from, from southern Africa. I don't, I don't know what it was, but... I think that they were on their honeymoon because they were really, really excited to be in America. And it was a husband and wife. And they were, uh, they're just going crazy. And I'm walking behind them. And when you're walking through the airport, when you're coming off an international flight, there's, in, in Atlanta International, there's like a set of double doors that you walk through that are see-through. Um, and, and it says, once you go past this point, you cannot enter back in. Like, it's the point of no return. Like, so once you go through there, you can't go back to the terminal. And so we get through those doors, and we're walking along, and we get in the customs lines, and they're in a custom line, like, next to me for international travelers, and I'm in the U.S. one. And I see the guy, like, they're having a good time, but then I start to see him do this. You know what this means? This means I forgot my passport on the airplane. That's what that means. And this guy all of a sudden freaks out and takes off running back to the plane. 
And as he gets to the doors to go through, back through to the terminal, he goes through the do not pass doors. And what happens when you go through the do not pass doors is, is 700 TSA agents tackle you, pin you to the ground, handcuff you, and drag you off for full body cavity searches. It's not pleasant. I don't know that they really do that, but that's what it looked like to me. <laughs> and I watch this guy, and I, I watch this guy's wife run to the windows, and it's like, no! At least that's what I was imagining she was saying. Like, that's my husband. I don't have any idea what she was saying, but like, she was like pretty much panicked, and, and he was definitely panicking. But restricted access. You could see through it. You could see what was on the other side, but if you went through there, there's no way you are ever going to get to the point of destination where you want to go. And I think what happens to us a lot of times is, is we put restricted access on God in our lives. We go, God, man, you can come through at this point, but you can't go into this section. You can't go back into this section. You can't go back into this area. And we limit his ability to move in unimaginable ways in our life. Not because he doesn't allow full access. It's because we don't allow full access. To what he wants to do in our lives. In fact, in, in 1 Thessalonians, it says this. May God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole. Put, excuse me, put you together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming master, Jesus Christ. The one who called you is completely dependable. If he said it, he'll do it. What I love about that scripture is, is God is completely dependable. If God said it, it says that he'll follow through and he'll do it. The problem is, is that we've put restrictions and controls on where we'll allow God to go in our life. And because God is a gentleman, God is not going to go take something that he doesn't have access to and it hasn't been allowed to do in our lives. And so for a lot of us, what we're doing is we're restricting God's work in our lives. And what we need to do is we need to start breaking down some of the barriers. We need to start eliminating some of the things that are holding us back from living out the unimaginable experience that God has for every single one of our lives. We need to stop restricting them, but start allowing them to have full access and be obedient to the things that he tells us in our life. And so when he says it, if he said it, it says he'll do it. All we have to do is be obedient to it. And so today we're going to look at a story in Joshua chapter 6, if you have your Bibles with you, that really identifies with this. Joshua chapter 6, what's happening is, is the Israelites have just spent 40 years in the desert Moses has been a leader. He just has passed away and is given the authority over to Joshua to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. It's what God said that they could have. It's where he said that they're going to go. And so they're believing that and they're moving towards that. And they're on their way to go claim the promise that God gave them. And so they've crossed over the Jordan River and they've defeated a couple of different enemies. I mean, they've just totally obliterated them at this point. And they're coming to the town of Jericho, which has some of the largest people. It's one of the most fortified cities known on earth at that time with some of the greatest warriors on the face of the earth. And they arrive there, and in, in Joshua chapter 6, this is what God says to Joshua. He says, Now the J gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go in or out. But the Lord said to Joshua, I've given you Jericho, its king, and all of its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. 
On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times when the priest blowing the horns, with the priest blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horn, all the people shout out as loudly as they can. Then the walls of the town will, will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. You ever read some of the stories in the Bible and go like, what in the world was God thinking when he gave some commands? Like, this is one of those stories that, like, I put myself in the story and I think to myself, God, there are 600,000 Israelite soldiers or warriors at this point in time. And your instruction to us is, okay, warriors, you go take a seat on the back line. Here's what I want. I want the worship team to come up and we're going to go take the city. Like, that kind of, to me, is one of those crazy things that God puts out there. Anybody ever had God challenge you to do something just absolutely crazy that makes no sense? A couple of you, two of you. I, I just had it recently on Tuesday night. Um, we were doing uh, an all-leaders meeting at our church offices, and we had a whole bunch of leaders there. And probably gave a really good message. And then afterwards, uh, one of the guys was hung around afterwards and needed some prayer. And so we gather, we gather around this guy, and, and we're praying for him, and some other people are praying, and I, I just got my hand on his head, and I'm just, I'm just agreeing with some other people's prayers, and I'm thinking, man, they're doing a good job of praying, and all of a sudden, I hear God say something absolutely crazy. He goes, he goes, TJ, sing over him, and I go, what? He's low. TJ, I want you to sing over him. I'm like, God, I got some like worship leaders in this prayer circle. Are you sure you're, you're not, talking to, not talking to them? He's like, no. And so like they're praying and, and somebody finishes praying. And so I, I got my hand on this guy's head and I start singing. Now, let me tell you something. I, I don't sing. In fact, we, we have a hard rule here that TJ is never to be given a mic and allowed to sing at the same time. Like that was set in stone by Shayla on day one. She's like, you have the voice of, you just don't have a voice. And, and so, so I, I, I go, uh, okay, God. And, and I start singing a song, like this old Hillsong song that probably nobody's ever going to know. And I start singing it, and the guy down here starts laughing because uh, <laughs> it's, it's not very good. But I keep singing anyways because I heard God. Like, I'm like, God, you're crazy. Like, I don't sing, but I'm going to sing this. And I start, and pretty soon everybody's singing this song over this guy. I have no idea if it helped them or not. I just know that like, God asks you to do crazy things at some times. And that's what he's doing right here. God's like making this crazy, crazy request. I mean, who really wants the worship team to do battle? In fact, Kyle, why don't you come down here real quick? Now, Kyle is a strapping young man here. Kyle is the worship leader here, if, if you don't know. Everybody say, hi, Kyle. Hi, Kyle. Yeah, all the little girls love you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> nothing like embarrassing him. Uh, but here's the deal. Like, can I, can I just be honest with them? Okay. Kyle, Kyle never works out, okay? Kyle's idea of working out is going to McDonald's and getting a Big Mac and, and curling that to his mouth, okay? That is, yeah, there's like a couple of you, you're like, I'm on that same workout plan, you know? And, and so, like, imagine, and, and, and let me give you the exact opposite of that. Like, I'm a CrossFitter. Like, I go, I do, 
I do pull-ups for fun. You know, like, that's like a good time. And so it's like, okay, you got the guy that likes to beat up and fight people over here, and you, like, you have the guy that strums a guitar over here. I mean, I have calluses all over my hand. He, he might have some calluses on his fingertips. It might have happened every once in a while. Like, he's like, oh, I got a hangnail, you know? And like... Kyle, by the way, Kyle is the most awesome guy in the world, so if you, if you know him, like, I'm not hating on him. We're just having fun up here, so don't, no hating emails this week. I already got <laughs> enough of those last week, so. <laughs> but you don't, like, if you have the choice between Kyle and somebody that beats people up for fun, like, who do you take into battle? Probably not Kyle. <laughs> Terry. Terry, yeah, like, if Terry was here... In Coconut Creek, in Coconut Creek, I put Josh and, Co- and Josh and Terry next to each other, and everybody chose Josh still. I don't know, because like you all are really spiritual. But the real people in here, you know you're not going to choose him to be on your team. Like, he's last pick, okay? <laughs> Kyle, thank you. You're doing a great job. Come on, give it up for Kyle. Like, you're just not going to do that. But that's exactly what God says. You don't, you don't want him fighting for you. I don't want him fighting for me. If I have the choice between people that like to beat people up and worship people, I mean, you guys play a mean guitar, but you don't throw a mean punch. I think something starts to happen in there because I think God a lot of times is saying, it's not about what you can do, it's about what I've already done. Because if you go back and you read verses 1 and 2, this is what it says. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all of its strong warriors. Anybody else see that there? Like the people of Jericho had shut themselves inside and were fortified their city. You want to know why? Because they were scared to death of the Israelites. They had heard all the claims. And if you looked from the outside looking in, what you saw was a city that was fortified, and you go, how in the world are we going to get through that? But what God was saying is like, they're scared to death of you, and listen, not only is, are you going to defeat them, but you've already defeated them. It's not like you're going to be given this city. You have already have this city. You've been given this thing. And see, what we need to understand, most of the time what God is speaking to us, what God is saying to us, is speaking to us from a place of victory. Like, man, I've already given you the victory. All you got to do is walk out the process now. Like, it's already been won in your life. And that's why we got to pray first. We got to seek God first and say, God, what are you saying about my circumstances? What are you saying about the plan that I need to take? Because if I follow your plan, the victory's already been won. In fact, if you turn to the back of the book of the Bible, we win. And a lot of us are, are living out of a defeated place because we're living based on what we see, not what God says. And so Joshua prayed first, and because, because honestly, I mean, this is a terrible battle strategy, but if God said it, if God ordained it, then he's going to follow through and complete it. And let me tell you something. If God said it for your life, if he ordained it, then he's going to follow through and complete it if we'll be obedient to what he says 
for our lives. In fact, that's why this week, as, as you're heading out, we're going we're to hand out some bracelets to you and say, that say, pray first, because we want you to remember, no matter what circumstances you're in, no matter what battles you're facing, no matter what trials you're going through, what you need to do in that moment is you need to pray first and remember what God says in that moment. You need to remember what he says, because God is always speaking. The question is, is are we listening to his voice? Are we listening to his voice? Now, as a little kid, I, I love to do battle. Um, anybody have a slingshot as a little kid? Uh, anybody out there? I, I love a slingshot. When I, was, when I was five years old, my parents got me a slingshot. It was like one of the best gifts you could ever give a five-year-old. And, and my grandparents lived on Longboat Key, and they lived right on the ocean. And so every day, uh, I would go over to their house. We lived pretty close to them, and I would hang out on the beach, and I would chase seagulls. That was kind of my thing. I love seagulls. They, they tormented me for years because they, for little kids, they let you get really close like you're about to grab them, then they run off. It's, it's terrible. It's frustrating. But the day I got a slingshot, everything changed. I was like, I'm going to get one of those seagulls. Like, I was determined. And so, man, I went out there. I'll, I'll never forget. I pulled back the first time. I pulled back, aimed at that, that seagull, and missed him. And then I was devastated. But then I picked up another rock, and I was like, man, I'm going to get this joker. I'm going to finally get one of these things. I'm going to kill it. Like, I, I was a born killer, natural born killer, just right here. And, and so I lean back. I pull back. Bam. Hit it right in the foot and injure it. I know I cried, too. I, it's, it's the saddest thing ever. Like, I, I never used a slingshot again, honestly. Like, I was so, I was, I've been in counseling ever since because I was so, I was so devastated. Like, that, you didn't know seagulls made, like, these squealing noises and stuff when they're injured. And so I did what any other, any other five-year-old did, it, is I walked up to it with another rock and just, just put it out of its misery. You know, bam. Actually, I didn't. I just left it and ran inside and cried. I, <laughs> we're being honest. And, uh, but if you're gonna if you're gonna aim at something, if you're gonna if you're gonna do go into battle with a slingshot, what what do you have to do? You have to you have to pull back. 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 And there's some correlation to fighting and, and prayer that I think is really really important. If we're gonna if we're gonna be circle makers, there's some things that we need to do. And the first thing we need to do is we need to pull in. We need to pull this back and in to God's presence. We need to pull into God's presence to get the plan from him. We need to say, God, what do you have to say about this? What are you trying to do in this moment? What are you trying to speak to me? It's one of the reasons why we challenge you guys to do the 20-minute challenge of five minutes of, of praise and worship, of worshiping God, and five minutes of reading your Bible, and then 10 minutes of praying the Lord's Prayer because we know it's important to pull into God's presence, to, to hear from God and, and to see what He says and to, to do what it takes to, to hear His voice and know what He's saying. And so that might mean we need to pray a little bit more. It might mean that we need to read a little bit more. It might mean that we need to fast a little bit. We, we might need to do some things in order to pull into God's presence because we all love the fact that God has a plan for us. Most of us have heard or used the scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. We like, we love the fact that God has a plan, but how many of us have actually sought him and pulled into his presence enough to hear his plan? Because in two verses later in verse 13, it says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you'll find me. How many of us have pulled long enough and deep enough and far enough back to actually hear what God is trying to say to us in our lives? 
so we can actually hear what he's trying to say so that we can follow through on what he wants to do in our lives. We hear stories about the Joshua going and, and taking over this, this city and doing this craziness. And that's awesome, but what you miss is what happens in the chapter before. And there's some context to that. And so in chapter 5, you start to understand why Joshua is so bold and courageous. Why Joshua is willing to go and march Kyle around the city seven times and have him shout and play his trumpet and guitar and the walls would come down they would defeat him. Why would you ever do that? Because that is not a logical plan. Well, that's because in chapter 5, Joshua goes and pulls into God's presence. It says this in verses 13. When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in hand. Joshua went to him and demanded, are you a friend or a foe? Neither one, he replied, I'm the commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did as he was told. Now we read that and we go like, why, why did Joshua have to take off the sandals? Like, why was that so significant? I mean, this is just the commander of the Lord's army. Well, you got to understand that this is really a reflection. This is really a foretelling of Jesus right here because the reason he had to take off his sandals because it was holy ground is because he was standing in front of Jesus who is the commander of the Lord's army. And so he's having this encounter with Jesus before Jesus has ever come to this earth. He's, he's come down in a foretelling of like, man, I'm gonna come and I'm gonna help you defeat the enemy. And so he's having an encounter with Jesus right here that's giving him the confidence so that when God tells him to go do something crazy, he doesn't worry about it. He just circles what God says and obeys it immediately. A lot of us, the reason why we're not following God's plan for our life is because we're never pulling in enough to hear his voice. And this is what I know is when I have something important to tell somebody, I don't get up with a microphone and shout it out in the world. When I have something important to tell my wife, you know what I do? I get real close to her. I snuggle up next to her. And I whisper those things. I share those things just with her. Because they're not for everybody else. They're just for her. And a lot of us, we haven't quieted our life enough. And we haven't pulled in close enough to hear the whispers that God is trying to speak in our lives. Because what God is trying to do is he's trying to establish an identity inside of us before he ever does anything through us. And our identity needs to be like, man, we're going to trust in you, Jesus, before we go do for you, Jesus. And a lot of us are getting this backwards. We want to go do for Jesus without having our identity founded and formed in him. And so we need to pull, pull back into his presence to get his plan. And then we need to continue to pull back into personal relationship for protection. Pull back. Because this is what I know is that if, if you take this and you get a water balloon, which is a lot of fun, and, uh, and you pull back and you aim it at Mark's head right there and you just let go, like, it'll make a pretty big splash on Mark. But if I take three or four people over here and we all pull back on this joker right here, we'll knock Mark's head off with that water balloon. Like, we can make, it's a lot more powerful together. 
And some of us, we haven't learned the power of relationship because we've been trying to do everything on our own, all on our own, and we're trying to fight by ourselves when God has never called us to fight by ourselves. He's called us to fight together. He's called us to do life together. That's why you read scriptures like James, and we're not going to read through all that, but it says, man, you need other people. You need other people to be praying for. You need them in your life so that you can have healing. A lot of us are, are experiencing some things, and we're trying to do it alone, and we're wondering why we're stumbling, why we're falling, and why we're getting hurt. It's because we're not doing it together. And God has called us to do this life together, especially when it comes to prayer, because he says, where one, are, where one is gathered, man, you can do something, you can put a thousand a flight, but where more are gathered, where two or more are gathered, you can put 10,000 a flight. Or in another version, it says, where two or more are gathered, there I am with you also. He's saying there's power in numbers, there's power in groups of people. That's why Ecclesiastes tells us a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. A lot of us, we're going through life thinking we can do it by ourselves, and you are crazy. You just are. You are not meant to do life alone. And I know this to be true because when I was 19 years old, man, I had a best friend. His name was Jake. Jake was the biggest player you've ever met in your entire life. Like, Jake would mack on any and every girl that is around. If there was a girl around, Jake was spitting game. That's, that was Jake's MO. And so Jake and I would hung, hang out all the time. And we loved, I loved to dance, even though I'm not good at it. I like just, just going crazy. And so we would go clubbing. This is before I was saved, so don't, don't write me an email. Okay. Um, and so, so we would go clubbing, and Jake immediately would go find any girl and dance on her. That's like, that was his deal. I don't condone that behavior, but that's what Jake would do. And so we were at this one club. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was late at night, and Jake is dancing on this, this girl. And we didn't know this, but this girl had a boyfriend who happened to be a really, really big guy. And so this, <laughs> this guy happens to show up at this club and sees Jake, who is not a very big guy. He's probably about the size of Kyle. Um, and, and, and this guy shows up, and he's like 6'3", you know, just jacked. Uh, and so he rolls up and he is ticked. He's like, why are you dancing on my girl? And shoves Jake. And, and he's like, he's getting ready to throw down. And, and that's not a good thing because Jake would get his butt whooped. And so, you know, I'm there with Jake. We're, we're boys. And so Jake, Jake does what, what he does in that situation. He tries to act tough. And so he starts taking off his jacket like he's going to fight. And as he's taking off his jacket, he gives me the international nod. Y'all know what the international nod is? It's and I know exactly what Jake is thinking. And I'm standing to the right of this guy. He's standing here. Jake is right there. Jake's taking off his jacket. As this guy is focusing on Jake, as he turns around to take off his jacket, I jump up and punch him right in the side of the head. Like, like MMA, you know, like the, the, the jump in the air and just jack him, just clock him right in the temple. And this guy is big and he falls hard. And I grab Jake and we run out. Because <laughs> they fall hard, but they get back up. And that, you don't want to be there when they get up. And so, uh, but this is the thing. You do life alone, Jake gets his butt whooped. You do life with some people that got your back, they will punch somebody in the face for you. In Jesus' name. <laughs> Try to spiritualize that right there. I don't know if that worked or not. But uh, we all need some people that, that have got our backs enough that they would they will spiritually punch the enemy in the face for you. Because you're not supposed to do this life by yourself. 
It's one of the reasons why we encourage you to get involved in connect groups, get involved in some relationships with people that are pursuing the same type of thing so that you can be growing in your relationship with God. And so we pull into God's presence and we pull into relationship and finally we release, or I like to say we push out to our purpose. And our purpose is always for people. It's always for people. Once we've prayed and we've pulled and we've pulled and we've prayed, then we've got to release into what God says for us to do. We have to let go of that moment and let God do something unbelievable in our lives. And this is what I know is that the first week I, I kind of challenged us with this statement or this question. I said, man, if, if God were to come down and answer all of your prayers right now, would your prayers change the world or just change your world? And I know that that got retweeted a whole bunch and quoted a whole bunch, and, and that's awesome. But the reality is, is that God's heart is that our prayers wouldn't just change our life, but it would change the world around us. And he's constantly trying to get our focus off of ourself and get our focus on eternity and what matters most. You say, man, if you can get your focus off of yourself, man, I can do some incredible things. I can, I can do something that's transformational. That's why Chronicles, it's a famous scripture that says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and restore their land. And if I do, and if you do, seek after God, seek his face, and do what he says, God always does what he promised to do. And I think becoming a circle maker is all about getting past ourselves and saying, God, man, I want to transform this world for your name and for your renown. And I'm not going to pray just for myself. I'm going to pray for how you want to change the world, how you want to use my life to make an impact in, in others. It's an others-focused life. starts with something though starts with a prayer and I stealing this illustration from Carl Lentz so if some of you have heard that before most of you probably don't even know who that is but he says what happens as Christ followers man if we're we just take our hand and we take a finger everybody take their hand and take a finger just one finger you just stop that real quick this is gonna it'll, it'll help me out thanks <laughs> Take that finger and you just go, man, you start praying. Come on, just tap it. You start praying, man, that's, that's good. Then you go and you start getting involved in a connect group and you start praying with some other people. Take two fingers. It's a little bit, a little bit louder, but then all of a sudden you go and you start committing yourself to community and church and, and doing life and showing up every week. Take three fingers. It's a little bit, a little bit more and then... All of a sudden you say, you know what, God has given me gifts and he's given me talents and he's given me all these things and not just so I can use, but I'm going to use them and I'm going to start serving. I'm going to start making difference in other people's lives. Take four fingers. Get a little bit louder. Then all of a sudden you go, you know what, I'm going to commit myself fully to Jesus. I'm going to give him everything in my life, everything in there. All of a sudden you went from a small tap to a loud noise. And let me just tell you something, your prayers... And with God's obedience 
to what he says can take you from a small prayer to a loud noise that won't just change your world, but will start to change your neighborhood and start to change your city and start to change your state and eventually change our country and change this world. And I believe that we can. It starts with some people that say, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to humbly seek God. I'm going to start right here. I'm going to go after God with everything that I've got. I'm going to give him everything that I've got. And I'm going to start to build off of that. Whatever he says to do, I'm going to start doing those things. And pretty soon we're going to get to this place where we're making a loud noise because we're resounding Jesus to a lost and dying world that's looking for answers and is looking for hope. And we have them all within us. Church, let's be a place that pulls into God's presence so we can get his plan. Let's be a place that, that then, then pulls into relationship because let's not do life alone. Let's stop trying to get it done on our own because we fail every time. Let's get some people around us. And let's be obedient to what he says and release the gifts and the talents and the resources that he's given us to make a difference in this world to change people's lives. And we can be circle makers that don't just pray a prayer to change our lives, but we can change a generation for Jesus. Let's pray.